All right, that's right. It's time once again for Restore to Life Church. Welcome. It's me, Pastor David. If this is your first time watching online, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, let me urge you, if you're not part of a local body in your local area, <clears throat> local church, please find a local body that this online does not replace being part of a local church. So let me just say that, though we do appreciate you joining us and watching us today. Um, hey, we do have a veteran support group uh, in this area. Um, so this is just um, something that the Lord highlighted for us to stand in the gap for. So it's called Corpus Christi uh, Veterans Life Group. Um, that's what we're calling it. We're calling it a life group, doing life together, because that's what the kingdom is all about, um, is doing life together. So come out, check us out. Um, we need your help getting the word out. So please, hey, share share this kind of thing, post about it on all of your social media. We need your help. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> so we're going to continue our sermon series on uh, God's plan of redemption today. I'll real, real quick. Also, if you would like to give, there are three ways you can give down below in the description, uh, Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App. We would appreciate any amount that you are able to give, any amount at all. Uh, so thank you so much. Um, so yeah, like I said, now we're going to continue our um, part two on plan God's plan of redemption. Last week we covered um, oh, on sin, I should say. Last week, part one of, of the sermon series on sin was <clears throat> talking about uh, sin's effect on mankind. Do we, is there such a thing as original sin and do we still pay the price? Uh, highlighted, yes, indeed, we do because we all sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, hey, if you missed that one, go check it out. Um, but this week, we're going to highlight the importance on God's plan of redemption, specifically the Jews, specifically coming through uh, the Jewish people, because uh, this is something that uh, the church uh, many times and many, many times throughout history has gotten horribly, horribly wrong, and uh, the church has divorced itself from the Jewish people. And when that happens, everything gets wrong. Everything gets out of whack. So we're going to look at that today more in depth. Uh, we're going to look at God's promises through Abraham and his descendants, what God had to say about that. Uh, we're going to talk about um, what Paul wrote uh, in Romans, uh, specifically Romans uh, chapter 11. Uh, also, Let's just double check. I'm looking at my notes. Yeah, Romans chapter 11 specifically. Uh, though, uh, <clears throat> if you have not, you need to read Romans chapters 9 through 11 because it's specifically addressing God's plan for Israel, God's plan for the Jewish people. And if you don't know this, that majority of pastors skip over Romans 9 through 11. Um, like the crux of of the book of Romans. I, I, I would call it the glue that holds the book of Romans together. And many pastors, I didn't know this until I think last year or so uh, when one for Israel was highlighting this, but yeah, there are pastors who completely skip over those chapters. Like, like I said, I believe these are the, the two most important chapters in the entire book of Romans and holds the entire book together. And yet they skip over that. So if you have not ever read Romans chapters nine through 11, you need to, um, Paul, a Jew, writing about his people 
the Jewish people. So read it. Um, so yeah, this is going to be important. Like I said, um, and if you if you if you don't believe what I say that that the church through when in history has divorced itself from the Jewishness of the scriptures and the Jewishness of Jesus and all of that, then I would recommend uh, Our Hands Are Stained with Blood by Dr. Michael Brown, uh, revised and expanded edition. Uh, also, uh, Christian anti-Semitism. Uh, that's his latest book on the subject. Uh, I have both, which I have both, which is why I'm able to recommend them. Uh, go, go read those if you don't believe me. Full of facts, full of the latest um, uh, updates on this kind of thing. But yeah, we, we need to realize this. All right, God had a plan for humanity. Okay, and it didn't come through uh, a Gentile. Okay, it didn't come through somebody plucked out of somewhere. It was God's specific plan. Um, we saw, you know, last week in in Genesis, in the beginning of it, we saw where uh, uh, Satan tempted them, and then we we didn't read it, read it, but you know, part of that story in there is in Genesis three fifteen, where God makes the very first uh, messianic prophecy uh, against Satan, and and we're going to see how that plays out. Because God is a God of promises, right? God has a plan. You need to know that today. I think somebody out there needs to know that today, that God has a plan. When things look pretty bad, when things are looking really, really, really bad, God has a plan. God is still in control. God is well aware of what's going on. God is not freaking out. God is not wringing his hands, you know. He's not uh, popping Xanax. Uh, up there on the throne, figuring out, well, what am I going to do next? You know, God has a plan, all right? Regardless of whether we see it, whether we're seeing it play out, we can trust in God's plan today. I feel like people need to hear that today. So, before we get in, let's open up in prayer. Lord, we invite you today. You're welcome. Come. Come speak to us. Lord, move me aside and speak through me. May you be glorified today. Lord, uh, through this message, it's all for your glory after all. So may you com be completely glorified today in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So, like I said, <clears throat> God's plan of redemption, it was through the Jewish people. All right. And throughout time uh, that uh, prior to uh, Jesus coming, uh, Satan tried to stop it through many different ways. Um and then, and when since Jesus came and he ascended to heaven, uh, Satan has tried to stop it. Uh, the second act, if you want to call it that. Uh, so the first act is leading up to the, the coming of Jesus. I guess this will be the third act then. So the, uh, the leading up to the coming of Jesus, Jesus come as the second act. And then the third act will be the return of Jesus. And Satan has tried to stop that as well through, through evils, uh, through the uh, pogroms. Um, through through using Rome, um, through through the Holocaust and other things like that. Why? Because for Jesus to return, there needs to be a Jewish people uh, living in their own land, Israel. So we're not going to specifically highlight today, but for the whole plan of redemption to be wrapped up, Jesus, a Jewish king, by the way, it's going to have to return to a Jewish people, and it talks about that in Zechariah chapter uh, chapters twelve through fourteen. He's going to appear over his, 
and all his people are going to see him and they're going to mourn and they're going to repent. Um, and we need to realize that. So this is a, a plan through the Jewish people for the whole entire world. Yes, but it wasn't all of a sudden, you know, but now we're in the church age, as people like to call it. I, I hate that term. I think it's a really, really bad term. I can think. I personally think it leads to a lot of uh, misunderstanding, at the very least, uh, or were at worst hatred of the Jewish people. We are not in a church age, okay? Yes, we are one body, Jew and Gentile, both. But this is simply <clears throat> the age in. in which we live in, uh, which is a new and better covenant. We can put it that way. I, I believe that's a better way to put it. But if the church age suddenly now divorces the church from Israel, the church from the Jews. And remember, in Matthew, all right, Jesus speaking to a Jewish audience, right, says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the Jewish people. And when we divorce, listen to me, when we divorce the Bible, Jesus, the gospel, the apostles from their Jewishness, from its Jewishness, let me tell you, what we're not what we're doing is the exact opposite. We are not drawing the Jewish people, we are not making them jealous. We are not drawing them in. We're pushing them away and keeping them away and pushing them farther and further away because now we have completely stripped the gospel, stripped the Bible, stripped Jesus, stripped the apostles, stripped all, just taking all Jewishness out of it, making it unrecognizable to what a first century Jew would, would look Look! Look at it. If, if they, if if a first-century Jew uh, heard what many preach today, what many teach on today, it would be unrecognizable to them. It would be completely unrecognizable to them. Why? Because we have so so divorced. Now I'm not talking about like Hebrew roots. That's different. Like, oh, you must obey the law. No, we're not talking about that. We are literally in a new and better covenant. What I am talking about is zero Jewishness. Or network where you see the the pictures and paintings of, of Jesus up there, right? The dude looks like uh, a European white guy, you know, a guy born through Middle Eastern parent, a um, um, Middle Eastern mother, in the Middle East, who looks more white than I do, right? We 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 see pictures like that, you know, like this, you know, of Jesus and. Like is, is that doesn't look like an Israeli, a Middle Eastern Israeli to me. We, it's, it's crazy, and we don't see the dangers of this. But just to highlight, right? So today, that God's plan of redemption always came. He always had a plan. He had people separated for him, and the first man he spoke to about this plan, about a, a specific people that he would use, was a man by the name of Abram right who would become abraham but in the first scripture is in genesis 12 1 through 3 so we have this guy abraham now just to give you an idea of god's awesome redemption right before this we see or we see this in this passage elsewhere where, where abram was an idol an idol maker right he lived in the land of ur right which is in modern day iraq 
he, he lived there and he, um, I didn't really need to get me a lectern. So my water right up there for me. Anyway, um, you know, they, they were idol makers. They, they made idols. They made graven images. <clears throat> so God just, in his awesome plan, takes a man that, you know, probably knew nothing about him, you know, takes this guy and says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to this guy. I'm going to call him out. And it says right here, it didn't say that the Lord spoke to this guy through a prophet. And then say that he spoke to this guy through some other means. He spoke directly to him. Right? Verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now here's the crux. Uh, I will make you, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse them curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed did you catch that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed and we see later on where god makes a covenant with him right god also gives um abraham the sign of the covenant people right circumcision now besides the fact that i wouldn't want to be in abraham's shoes when that happened but you know as a guy I just want, you know, but the point being is that uh, this this sign of physical circumcision and then God makes a, a, also makes a covenant with him for a land, a land covenant, a forever covenant. And we see this play out later on in the book of Genesis where, where God puts Abraham into a deep sleep, right? He tells him to sacrifice some animals, split them in half. God puts him into sleep. He comes down and he walks between them, right, as a sign of a covenant. If you don't know why that's important, it's because in the ancient, ancient Near East, a covenant would be between two people. So both would pass between the carcasses of the animals and come out the other side, basically stating that may if, if I break my word to you, right, if I break my word to you, may what was done to these animals be done to me. They were giving the other person the right to kill them if they broke their word. But notice that only God passed through. It was a one-way covenant, which means regardless of what happened, um, the land that God showed Abraham would be forever, would be forever his covenant people of the old covenant, the, the Jewish people. The land of Israel would be forever, regardless of what they did wrong, regardless if they disbelieved, if they disobeyed, and we know they did that. Regardless if they who they regardless if they rejected Jesus Himself, which they did. But still, it was a one-way covenant. God said it would be so for a reason, and then God goes on to confirm His covenant again through Abraham's son Isaac, and then Isaac's son Jacob, also Israel, right? His name was changed to Israel, right? In Genesis 28, 14, and Genesis 26, 24. So he, he, he reconfirmed his promises, you know, from generation to generation. 
because God is a God of covenant. God does not break his word. God is not a man that he should lie. He won't change. And then in one last area um, in the book of Genesis, God, God through uh, Jacob at now as an old man prophesying over his sons, says this to Judah in Genesis 49, 10, our very next scripture. It says here, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him will be the obedience of the people. Did you catch that? Now, if you don't know, where do we get the, the, the word Jewish or Jew from is from Judah. Now, now it makes no difference between, uh, you know, the, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. It makes no difference between that. That's, that's legalism. I'm not going to get into that. Because the term is encompassing of all Jewish people now for all time is where we get that from. But Judah. Right? Who came from the line of Judah? Yeah, Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. So this is a this is yet a another example of a messianic prophecy. And if you don't know that, now Jesus written <coughs> these prophecies written about him in the Hebrew or Jewish scriptures, Jesus fulfilled over 324 messianic prophecies written about him. In the Jewish scriptures, written by Jewish prophets, by the way, written by Jewish kings, by the way, just to give you an idea. So you can see the emphasis of Jewish of the Jewishness of the Bible in it. So we come now to the Jew first, right? We'll see where Brother Paul highlights this. And this is important to know. And before we get into that, let me just highlight to you, right? Maybe some scriptures you may have not quite figured out, and that's okay. But Jesus came, right? He's walking around his earthly ministry. He said things radical like, I came only to the lost sheep of Israel. Why was that? Why, why, would, that, why would he do that? Because salvation was first through the, to the Jews and to the Jews first. Why would he say things radical to his disciples? Do not go into the houses of Gentiles. Right? Do not go into the houses of Samaritans. Because the Samaritans also were not considered Jews. Right? To, to only go <clears throat> to the Jewish people. He said radical things like that. Why? Why? Because, um, I don't know, Jesus believed in racial superiority? No. Because salvation was first to come through the Jewish people and therefore to the Jewish people first, then to go out into all, all the world. And we, we could see this play out uh, in the Old Testament. I believe it's in the book of Isaiah. I don't have it written down in front of me, but in the book of Isaiah, where it specifically states that the Jewish people were meant to be a light unto the world. The Jewish people? But brother, didn't they get that mixed up? Well, yes. But doesn't change what the scriptures say about the Jewish people. And it says here in Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And Paul's going to say, this is Paul writing here, right? Saul slash Paul, a Jewish man. Never stop being a Jew. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek or Gentile in here. We have to get that. Brother Paul, a Jewish man, right? A Jewish man. Never stopped being a Jew. Never converted to Christianity, right? His name was never changed, right? You may have heard this. May have heard it said this way. Um, Saul became a Christian, and his name was changed to Paul, or some variant thereof. Let me tell you what. It's not true at all. Not true at all. Did you know that Saul, born in Tarsus, a Jew born, in other words, in the diaspora, was given two names, a common practice in the day. So he had Shaul in the Hebrew-speaking world and Paulus in the Greek-speaking world. Two names, a common practice in that day, by the way. So he never stopped being Jewish. Ever. He never converted to Christianity. In fact, when he gave his life over to Christ, did you know that the word Christian had yet to be even uttered by anyone? There is no recording in the Bible of it ever being said at that time and place. It wasn't until him and Barnabas went to Antioch that the term Christian was first used. Ever. Ever was it first recorded. And it was used by, by those who said it in a derogatory manner. Like, look at those little Christs. You know, in a, in a very derogatory manner. So he never stopped being a Jew. He never stopped practicing being Jewish. And we see that later on in Romans 9. I'm going to, I'm just going to go with the Lord's name. I'm going to open it up here because people get this wrong. And then they think, oh, Brother Paul, man, he was just writing this. And I'm like, man, like, why would a, a fellow Jew be writing, you know, hating on his fellow Jewish people? That make no sense. Let me go to turn to the beginning. Let me just Romans 9 real quick. He says, I am speaking <clears throat> the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continuous, continual anguish in my heart. For I, for I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brothers, my kinsmen by race. I think that makes it pretty clear. Right? Who are Israelites to whom belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. So Paul saying, you know what? I wish if 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 that's what it took for my fellow Jews to be to come to Christ to be saved, I would I would I would rather be hell bound. If that's what it took, I would be hell bound if I, to make me myself a curse for Christ. That's how much Paul was grieving that his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters were not believing it just to give you an idea of the Jewishness of Paul and in Romans 11 here right what else well next set of scriptures in Romans 11 uh, starting in verse 1 it says I say then so two chapters after Romans 9 has God rejected his people God forbid for I am also, for I also am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Okay? First off, that does not apply to predestination. All right? 
Only those whom God says is, is going to be saved. Good luck for everybody else because you're on your own. No, it doesn't mean that. This is talking specifically about the Jewish people. God is not rejecting. But yes, oftentimes it is read like, I say then God has rejected his people. That's oftentimes what it's read like. It, that's not what it says, but oftentimes that's, that's what people preach on. That God has rejected his, Jewish, his people, but he has not. And we need to make that abundantly clear because we cannot get this wrong. We get this wrong, we'll get our entire walk with Christ wrong. We get this wrong, we'll, we'll get preaching wrong, teaching wrong, prophesying wrong. Um, everything about this Christian walk, this Christian life, this relationship with Jesus, we will get it completely, 100,000% so so very wrong, and it will become so very satanic. It's that bad. Yes, indeed. Because, like I said, if you get Israel and the Jews wrong, you get the entire gospel wrong. I, I, I can't, I don't have the time to go through line by line scripture, scripture, because there are so, so very many scriptures I can use to drive this point home. But we get this wrong. Right. Let me, let me just make that you know one more time. Let me make this point. Jesus was born through a Jewish mother, Jewish by race. Miriam was her name, by the way. I know we often call it Mary, but in Hebrew, it's Miriam, and she would have been called Miriam, like Moses's sister Miriam. Same name, no different. All right, she is thoroughly Jewish. He was born in Israel. He was born in Bethlehem or Bethlehem, right? The house of bread. That's where he was born because they were on their way for the, uh, for the census of the Jewish people. He was raised thoroughly as a Jew. Throughout his life, Jesus was called rabbi by many. He was a Jewish rabbi. He wore the traditional Jewish clothes of his day. You know, when, when, they, when a woman with the issuance of blood reached out, it wasn't a, a hem of a garment like this, like we think of today. It was the tassels or the tissue that the woman reached out and she grabbed hold of. Right? We can read God's instructions to his Jewish people in the Torah, in the first five books of Moses, on what their garments are supposed to look like. And Jesus wore those. Jewishness. In Romans 10.1, it says here, I forgot to put on, I don't have it on the screen, I forgot, but that's all right. It says here, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they be saved. Once again, Paul, a Jew writing. In case you don't have an idea of the Jewishness of Paul, right? He's He states that he studied under Gamaliel. Gamaliel, a Jewish rabbi. Where else do we see that name at? In the book of Acts. When, when Peter and John um, are brought to appear before the Sanhedrin. Yes, the Jewish leaders of the day. Paul himself later on refers to himself as 
a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, Paul was saying, yeah, being a Jew, like, ain't, ain't nobody out there more Jewish than I, than I am. You know, he probably could have been like, said like, I, I eat matzo ball soup every night for dinner, in fact. You know? I don't know, something like that. Like, you think you're a Jew? Like, I eat Jewish food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, I play Jewish games, Joe. Like, I spend the dreidel better than everybody else. You know, maybe Paul would have called call himself Dr. Dreidel. Uh, anyway, just giving you an idea of the Jewishness of Paul. Paul stated, I am more Jewish than any of you. Paul was saying, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul said it. Go look it up for yourself. But now we come down to Romans 11 and verses 17 through 20. Um, I, I believe this is an extremely skipped over passage. And this was going to highlight to you the dangers of anti-Semitism, the dangers of hating the Jews. This is, this is what God has to say on the matter. Not what Pastor David has to say on it. Not what anybody else has to say on it. This is what God has to say on the matter. So starting in verse 17, Romans 11, verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among them and became a partaker with them of the root and richness of the olive tree, do not boast. Some of you need to repeat that. Do not boast against the branches. Who? The Jews. If you boast, remember, you do not you do not sustain the root, but the root sustains you. You will say then, the branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is correct. They were broken off because of unbelief, but you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Whoa. So, so if we get all high and mighty in our Christianity, in our salvation, right? In our denomination, in our whatever it is, divorce from the Jewish people, right? And now, 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 now we believe these crazy things, right? Oh, those Christ killers out there. Like, um, no, they have already highlighted that all the apostles, all 12 of the original apostles were Jewish. Okay. They had no part in killing Christ. Right. But, but we, we put things out there like that. Right. <clears throat> we believe that, uh, in the church as a whole, not everybody, but in, in a, believe me, in a bigger portion of the church than you probably believe, imagine, think that. The are it's preached and taught things like, well, the Jews are now cursed forever, you know, because of deicide or or killing God, as if somebody could kill God, anyways. By the way, Jesus said, right? He said, I lay down my life. He said, You don't take my life from me, I lay it down willingly. Remember that. Nobody killed him, nobody took his life. Christ gave it up willingly. For the entire world, Jew and Gentile alike, 
Let's not forget that. The word, but many, many, many times, and through a, a bloody history, it's preached and taught those Christ killers, they're cursed forevermore. Oh, the evil of that statement. The evil perpetuated by that statement. Such things, just fast forwarding up, up to the time of the Crusades, when the Crusaders were marched, marched off for the Holy Land, right? To confront. And they were like, you know what? While we're on our way to the Holy Land, oh, we got some evil people in our own backyard, those Jewish people. So along the way, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kill them too, by the way. Yeah, how evil is that? And then when they went to quote unquote, you know, uh, liberate the Holy Land from those evil Muslims, they were like, oh yeah, those evil Jews are there as well. So we're going to do the exact same and treat them both equally evil, by the way. Yeah, those type of things, if you didn't know that. Where the Crusaders would, would march around a church that was on fire with Jew and Muslim both locked in there while it was burning, singing hymns to God while doing it. That's how evil it is. And I, I don't even have time to go into all the examples from history. I don't have time to quote from Chrysostom, the golden tongue, whom many venerate. I don't have time to do that. I, I don't have time to go into all of that history. But it's there. This is the evil that's perpetuated. And the sad thing about it today is that anti-Semitism in the church is rampant. That's the sad fact about it. In a day and age, the quote-unquote age of enlightenment, therefore, we could put it so, in the age where we should know better, we don't. We don't. But yet we want Christ to return, right? We shout from the pulpits, Maranatha, all the while preventing it from happening. All the while pushing the Jews out and out and out. We, 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 and we think we're part of salvation. I just read to you here, this is the dangers of hating the Jews. Remember, last verse again, verse 21, it says here, for if, if God did not spare the natural branches, neither he will he spare you. Yes, indeed. God will not spare you if you hate the Jewish people. Not to mention, the, the other parts of the Bible talk about how wrong it is to hate another person, period, who, who they are. Whomever they are, whatever they have done, whatever race, background, criminality, sin, you name it, it is dead wrong. And now hate, by the way, hating other people is equal to murder. Remember that. Brother John, in, in uh, his first epistle, talks about that. How, how wrong it is to hate our brother. Who, who's our brother besides the Christians or sister? The Jews. Never forget that. Never forget that. Not only that, but G Jesus stripped of his Jewishness is another Jesus. And the gospel stripped of his Jewishness 
is another gospel. You know what the definition of a preaching another gospel and preaching another Jesus is? Heresy. Yes, it is that strong. Heresy. That is what the biblical definition of heresy is. is somebody who preaches another Jesus and another gospel. You don't believe me? 2 Corinthians 11.4. Once again, Paul writing. A Jew writing this. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, and I guarantee, I guarantee they were not preaching a Jesus divorced of his Jewishness, stripped of his Jewishness. I guarantee that. Um, or if you receive another spirit which you, which you have not received or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might submit to it readily enough. Paul's warning them here. Look at that. If you receive or if you receive another spirit, let me tell you what, anti-Semitism, hating the Jewish people, is of a demonic spirit. Make no mistake about it. I'm not going to give it a, a name. I'm not about naming spirits left, right, and center. But it is demonic in nature. It's satanic in nature. It is the most satanic evil that the world has ever seen. And it's the, it is the most satanic evil that the world will ever see. Because, as I've highlighted to you so far, the Jewish people first play a central role in, in the Messiah coming. And the Messiah was going to be birthed through the Jewish people. And then the Jewish people play will play in the future a key role in Jesus returning. But I guarantee you that won't happen if we're not preaching the gospel to the Jewish people. I think I, I think it was last week, or one of my sermons anyway. I think I'm getting mixed up. Anyway, where the, the gospel must be preached into all the world in Matthew 24. We're, we're, why don't we preach the gospel to all people? Why, why, why do we highlight this one small group of people? That the Jewish people are one of the smallest groups in the entire world. Smallest groups of people in the entire world. And yet somehow, somehow, people want to single them out as, as this disgusting, despicable group. Why? Why is that? Because it's satanic. It makes no sense. There are people, groups all over the world committing evil all the time. But for some reason, people are going to highlight the Jewish people as that one group of people who does evil. Well, don't you know pornography over there? What about the pornography within the state, within the borders of the United States of America alone? Never mind other nations. Oh, don't you know they do abortion over there? Have you any idea of the numbers of the babies murdered in the name of choice in the United States of America up till now? I think I think the number is over over six million right now. But no, oh, no, we got to highlight those evil people over there. Why? Because it's satanic. 
Satanic evil and satanic hatred makes no sense. Satanic evil, satanic hatred strips people of all common decency and all common sense. And what, what I said to you is not, doesn't take some super smarts to, to think about. It's common sense. A, 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 a very select, very, very small group of people. Well, wait, wait, those evil Jews all of a sudden. Really now? Really now? Because I could have sworn, I don't know, that uh, Russian people right now, not Russian people as a whole, but coming, invading Ukraine right now. I don't know. Plenty of other people groups and countries out there where no freedom exists, right? North Korea for one, China. I don't know. That's probably a pretty big place, right? I wonder how many Israels could fit in that little place, that big place. But when we look, and we we when we give over to satanic hatred, we get stripped of all common sense because our, the Bible says that our understanding is darkened. That you cannot strip Jesus of his Jewishness. You cannot strip the Bible of his Jewishness. Here in 2 Peter 2.1. But there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Of an, or another gospel. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong, uh, bringing destructive heresies. Even denying the Lord who brought them. Bringing swift destruction upon themselves. When we deny a Jewish Jesus, we are denying Jesus himself. We are denying the Lord himself. That, that's what we're doing when we, when we make Jesus, we're literally making him into a, a God of our own image. But what we're, that's what we're doing. So here's some fast facts as we start to wrap up. Here's some fast facts, in case you still don't get it. Did you know that it was 10 years before the first Gentiles were grafted in? Did you know that? So between Acts 2 and Acts 10, or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and, and Peter going to, to the house of Cornelius, and his family being saved and baptized. Do you know how long that was? 10 years. That's right. 10 years. I don't know why it took 10 years. That's not my plan. The point being is, is, is it was 10 years of, of, of the way or Christianity being a thoroughly Jewish sect. A Jewish sect, no different than the Sadducees, the Essenes, or the Pharisees. And they were just another Jewish sect at the time. They were Jewish believers. So when people say stuff like Paul was killing Christians is not true in the least. He was killing his fellow Jews, by the way. The very first martyr, a Jewish man named Stephen. So 10 years. that For 10 years, it was a, thorough, it was a thoroughly Jewish sect. It was seen as another Jewish sect. Also, that the first to receive salvation at the day of Pentecost were 3,000 Jewish men, 
women and children who were there for a Jewish feast. So when people say that the church was birthed at Pentecost, I don't know where they get that from because it was 3,000 Jews redeemed for the kingdom of God. 3,000 Jews where you can make the analogy where the curse was reversed. The curse at, at, at Sinai where 3,000 of them were, were had to be wiped out and 3,000 of them were redeemed. That's right. Um, yeah, I already said all that. So, yeah. So, I hope, I hope I've highlighted this, this redemption. So, in other words, as this is about sin, this is about, I said, the plan of redemption, that the plan of redemption, that the Jews are central to it. And that we who are not Jews cannot, 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 Toss it to the side. We cannot. All right, we simply cannot. It's it's not the Bible. It's not the gospel. It's certainly, most certainly not Jesus. Right? We see other places in the Bible uh, where Paul talks about one new man. No, he didn't say just Gentile. The one new man was supposed to consist of Jew and Gentile alike. So how are we supposed to fulfill God's plan in his word when we strip it of his Jewishness and we make it into whatever we like and we cut out and ignore the places? Pastors, stop skipping over Romans 9 through 11. Stop it. If, if that's you out there, you need to stop it. You need to repent and you need to read it. Stop preaching on Sundays that, that uh, all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. Stop preaching that when you don't believe it. If you don't read all the Scriptures, if you don't apply all the Scriptures, then stop preaching it. Not until you repent. As shepherds, we have a responsibility to properly shepherd our flocks and that involves knowing the scriptures for ourselves first and foremost. We can't give out what we don't have. If it ain't in us, we can't put it out. Remember that. So remember that. Uh, I know you probably might like I'm making hand gestures over here. Like, what are you doing over there? Don't worry. It's a secret. Secret society. I'm kidding. Um, so, I'm going to ask you, if this is you, if this has highlighted some something in you, you know, may, maybe something about what I said today really just rouses you up and angers you up. Good! Because that means there's something in you that needs to get out of you. That means there's some some sort of Jewish hatred in you that you need to repent of and get out of you. If it stirs you up, if you're angry, like, brother, man, I'm, what do you mean about that? I don't think I don't think that's true. Well, I don't agree with that. I didn't ask you to agree with me. I asked you to agree with the very word of God. The, the very word of God that you most likely claim to abide by and hold in such high esteem and yet strip, strip it down 
to something that I was never meant to be. Did you know that minus Luke, and I'm not exactly sure who John Mark, if he was a Jew or not, probably not, minus those people, the rest of the authors of the entire Bible are Jewish people, by the way. So out of 66 books of the Bible, right? So we have Luke, who wrote Luke, who also wrote Acts, and probably the book of Mark. Those three, so 63 books of the Bible, were written by Jews. Paul was a Jew. James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, a Jew. Peter, a Jew, not the Pope. Yeah, all Jews. That's just the New Testament alone. Obviously, the whole entire Old Testament written by Jews. Remember that. Why would we strip it? Why, why would you think it's okay? Why would you think it's okay to, to hate people in the first place, regardless of who they are? I'm, I'm asking you to repent today, if that's you. And if that's not you, praise God, and I thank God for you. And I thank God that if, if this message pricks something in you, makes you uncomfortable, Probably got that little bit of anger right there. I'm asking to come to God today. And I'm asking for you to repent of hating the Jewish people. I'm, I'm, you can't be saved and hate the Jewish people. You can't be saved and hate people, period. You can't do it. Will you come to God today? Will you let him? Will, will, will you let him circumcise your heart? Will you let that happen today? If you're going to let that happen today, then please, by all means, come to God. Pour your heart before Him. Don't put it off. Don't do that. <clears throat> Believe me, there's things in every single person that God needs to cut out. But that being said. There are some things that are just completely inexcusable and God will never excuse. One of those things is, is, is hating people. God will never excuse that. Not, ask, just, just come to God today. Do it. You won't regret it. Let God correct you. Let him chastise you. Let him prune you so that you will bear, bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. If you want so bad... For, the, for Jesus to return, if you're crying out Maranatha, then start, and then, then start being part of that. Be part of spreading the gospel to the Jewish people. I don't know any Jewish people. Well, you know what? That's okay. Because there are groups that you can give to that promote the gospel. Because it's one thing for me to say, hey, come to God and repent. So another thing, let's take action. Let's partner together. Chosen People Ministries is one. You can give to them. They operate primarily here in the United States of America. Then you have one for Israel, uh, who primarily operates in Israel. Right? Both people ran by J Jewish believers in Jesus who are wholly committed 
to spreading the gospel to the unsaved Jews. Those are just two organizations. There are others. Um, Together for Israel is another one. Once again, ran by a Jew. Imagine that. Scott Volk. So V-O-L-K. Scott Volk. You can give to his organization. Uh, you can give to uh, Dr. Michael Brown. And ask Dr. Brown, uh, who's who who has done, who is a Jew himself and uh, who has been called, and I would call him the foremost Jewish apologist in the world today. Yeah, go, you can go donate to him. But there, the, the thing is that there are ways out there, many different ways that we can help with this, that we can help spread the gospel to the Jewish people. Amen? So I'm going to end that here today. And we'll continue this sermon series uh, next week. Uh, it's probably going to go on, not 100% sure, but most likely at least for two more Sundays before we move on to the next. All right? So that we're out here for today. Be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.